Welcome to the Home Team Podcast. Steve Carter here. It is 4.53 a.m. in Phoenix, Arizona, Thursday morning. And I'm here with author, NFL player, uh, one, of my, one of my closest friends, Sam Macho, and NFL player, trash talker, extraordinaire, Trey Burton. And uh, we do this podcast because we want to be the kind of people who – we love sports. We love sports. But we want to be the kind of people who talk about – faith and culture and family um, through the lens of the games that we so deeply, deeply love. And we got to just start just from the jump. Last night's playing game, Lakers, LeBron, AD, and Steph and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Sam, Trey, did you guys watch that game? Because for me, I was glued to the television. I was just enthralled i thought it was going to be davidson part two um and we surely had that but um sam i'm gonna start with you what do you think about the playing game what do you think about steph and lebron and what we saw last night yeah so i i took i put it on in the like end of the fourth quarter right and i'm usually that guy usually in the playoffs i'm like end of the fourth let me just you know what i mean or, you know regular season playoffs i'll start watching more put it on end of the fourth and i saw i saw lebron work a miracle i mean this dude i mean i don't know if y'all saw but like literally when i turned the game on as you'll see how late it was he got poked in the eye by draymond green and he was on the ground i'm like this dude is just trying to trying to cause a foul they're trying to you know he's acting but i was like bro i've been poked in the eye before and it does not it hurts number one number two there are some times where you literally can't see anything anything number two so I'm like, this guy's not acting or pretending. But then number three, he had to go back and shoot two free throws, and there was two minutes left in the game. And so I'm sitting there like, how will he do it? Then I thought about Kobe. You all remember Kobe? Maybe your soul rest in peace. He he hurt his right wrist or thumb, so he started shooting in the game left-handed. He he tore his Achilles, was it? And he towards went ACL. back. It yeah. tore his ACL, went back and shot his free throws before he left the game. So in my mind, I'm like, LeBron, this is – not necessarily your moment, but this is a moment. You missed what about the, Paul. What about Paul Pierce getting? Yeah, uh, yeah. We, no, we Paul Pierce. We Paul Paul Pierce. <laughs> There's so much about Paul Pierce that we could talk about right now, but this is not the podcast. I'm, yeah, Paul Pierce is tripping, tripping. But yes, he did. He came out and he got it with his IV or something. It was out in a wheelchair. I'm like, this dude on <laughs> a stretcher, like the rest. You know, the wrestlers when they come out. Yeah, yeah. And so I was just, I was, it was impressive to see him go, LeBron go back out there and then drill that three with what, I don't know how many, eight seconds left in the game from 30 something feet, Steph Curry in his face. You don't even have to watch any of the game. That's the beauty of turning the game on in the fourth quarter. You don't even know have to watch anything. And yes, I saw like some of the highlights of Steph hitting that half court, amazing shot, but I was just blown away. Number one, that he made that shot. He said he was seeing three rims. Like he said, I couldn't see anything. I saw three rims. Number one, but then number two, and Trey, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Some of the feedback that people were giving negatively about LeBron. Mind you, LeBron has made 97 game tying or game winning shots in his in it well overall or whatever. And and that's like the most second most in the last 25 years. Like we are witnessing greatness. Yet, as soon as you go on Twitter, you see, oh, he got lucky. And I've seen, like, oh, this game didn't even really matter. It was just a play. And I'm like, wait, what? So, like, Trey, what, what, is, you, what do you think about that? I hate it. I hate it. I really do. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if you know at that moment or in those times how great 
the moment is or the people or the player, the athlete is. Um, and I think, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, when we look back and hopefully LeBron's done by then, who knows, though, he might still be playing in the NBA. Um, but I mean, hopefully we look back and we're like, man, this guy. So I'm, I never really watched much Jordan. So LeBron's the best player to ever play in my, in my lifetime. You know, I, I've ever really seen, I've ever followed. I followed him ever since high school, probably one of the biggest LeBron fans there is, you know, I am. And so, uh, I just hope that we eventually will recognize his greatness and not everybody's going to do that because we all have different opinions, you know, but like people, like I woke up this morning, didn't watch the game. Uh, it's too late for me. I'm getting too old for all that. I woke up this morning, saw the highlights. Uh, and literally the first thing I, I did Twitter search, the search page on Twitter and the first like trending person is skip Bayless. And so obviously skip has a history of going against the grain. And I, I think like I take whatever skip says with a grain of salt, because I understand to it. And I hate it. I, I really do hate it because a lot of people think skip is real. And what he says is the Bible, you know, but like, bro, he is paid to have unpopular opinions. And, and people don't realize that they don't understand how the media works, you know? And so skip once needs to draw more viewers to his show because the more viewers to his show equals what more money. And so I just, I hate, cause a lot of, a lot of people will like really will run with that and be like, yeah, you know, LeBron, this LeBron that, or he can't and like skip was saying something along the lines of like, he heaved the ball up there and uh, you know, a miracle shot. Like if he wouldn't have made it, he couldn't have been blamed for it and desperation. And I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. Like the, regardless of the shot, the dude had a triple double, you know? So regardless of all that, like none of that matters what you're saying, but really what really happened is the dude had a triple double and they ended up winning the game. So I can't stand the media side of it, but I do think LeBron will go down, you know, I think as the greatest, I never watched Michael, like I said, but it's also hard to do like cross generational comparison just because the game's changed. We talked a little bit about this um, before the show, like, dude, the game's changed so much. You know, why is there so much scoring now compared to back in the day? You know, what fouls and, you know, rules and defenses you're allowed to play and not allowed to play. So there's so many different things that are going on. But uh, what do you think? What do you think about that, Sam? Well, before I even get there, Trey, because this is one thing I thought about maybe last night or this morning as a player, do you know the moment is big? And I could even answer this too. Right. And Steve, maybe even at, at, like, maybe there's like, as a pastor where you're like teaching at a church or something like, do you, is there like, that was a huge moment last night for LeBron. Granted they could have lost and still had a chance to make the playoffs, but yeah. also he's made 96 other ones. Right? Do you know when the moment is that big? And then what do you do at that moment? So like, well, I'm thinking, like whether it's Super Bowl for you, Trey, maybe there's other moments where it's like, okay, there's three seconds left in the game in the fourth quarter. We're down by four. This I know I'm probably going to be the guy to get this route. Or, or maybe it's like third and 13, and you know this route is meant for you in the fourth quarter critical. Do you know the moment is big, and what do you feel or do about it? I mean, so I, well, I'll say, I mean, from experience, obviously in the Super Bowl, I had no clue it, it was going to blow up to what it was like. I honestly, like no lie, had no clue about the magnificence of the play. And I really didn't even think about it. Even on the sideline. I, I remember I, I, I think I told you guys I went in at halftime because, you know, through the Philly special with a couple seconds left before the half. And I go in at halftime and like Brent Selleck, like grabs my helmet and starts shaking my head and he says dude you just threw a touchdown in the super bowl and i i honestly was like cool like win let's win, let's win the game you know so i think 
that's not really necessarily up to us the moment the, to talk about the moment really what's up to us and what we can do and what we can control is like how do we play in that time and then when the game's over that's uh that's skip bayless that's you know your brother emmanuel like that's, that's their job is to hype up that play in that moment but i don't think in those moments you really realize how big it, it is at the time you know um there's a guy jack canfield who has this uh leadership formula and actually urban meyer plastered it all over ohio state's locker room um which was e plus r equals o and it's events plus response equals outcome so like you don't control the events the only thing that you control is your response and depending on how you choose to respond in that moment creates the outcome. I think that there's something here where um, he, he, like with LeBron, I mean, the guy is just, he's just special. And, and it, it's, it's become so normal to expect um, a triple double from him. You, you almost like if he, if he doesn't get a triple double, you think he played terrible even though he went if he goes for 34 9 and 8 you know what i mean like it, it's it's he's so good he's so good i also think uh you know quote jay-z you know i'm not a businessman i'm a businessman um i i i think he i think he owns uh visine like because that dude that dude before he hit that three was just like just dropping visine. I mean, it was such product placement, but like he, I mean, that guy, like he is so smart. He's so smart. And just watching him, um, he, he, he didn't have the step that he had yesterday. Didn't have it. Like he was slow, but dude, he was setting dudes up. I mean, backdoor cuts. I mean, it was unbelievable. So I think LeBron recognizes everything that he does is going to be criticized. I mean, I think I think that's the one gift of him going and taking his talents to, you know, South Beach um, to play with the Heat in 2011, like or 29. Like he he like he was a villain, and I think he, he I think Kobe said you got to learn to embrace this and channel this. So I I I do think though when he expects to be the guy who closes out, he sometimes early on in his career would like just kind of make the smart play, but not make the Kobe or Jordan play. I think he would, again, he'd make the smart play, but like Jordan and Kobe for the most part would take that shot. What's interesting to me though, is when there's like a little eye issue or there's a little, like he, he, he almost can have some other thing. That's a little bit distracting. He seems to rise above in those moments. It's almost like the mental pressure of it just feels a little bit farther off he, he can tune it out and you could even see Steph's face when he, like Steph is expected to hit that shot not LeBron and like even when LeBron hits it over Steph was like you gotta be kidding me like respect to respect like real to real like that what how and then I think even Steph was like how's your eye bro like really that was an Oscar you know and LeBron's going back going I can't see like I just did that in front of you and I can't even see. So I don't know. I, I just think that with this, you expect greatness. I think some of those guys put too much pressure on themselves. I love Trey that you're like, oh, I didn't, I, I, I didn't know how great that thing was going to be. I didn't think dudes were going to put it, get it tattooed on their thigh, you know, <laughs> like I, I, um, I didn't think, but like, but I just, I focused on the play. That's what I could control. 
and let the let the outcome take care of itself. Sam, what about you? How, like when when a big defensive play, like are you like, man, I made this massive tackle. That was a game changing moment. Um, did you know it in the moment? Did you feel it from the from the from the fans? How how, how do you answer that same question? I I think you can feel those moments, and trades may have been different because. Well, maybe it wouldn't be different, but I feel like there are times you can feel the moment. Sometimes, like Trey, like Trey said, you don't even know how big it was until afterwards. I know we're going to talk about this later, but there's this song called Promises by Maverick City Music where, like, they recorded it, and I watched an interview from one of the – Naomi Rain, who's – every single one, and Trey, we're going to talk about this later, and Steve, but, like, they didn't know how great the song was until afterwards, and now 33 million views on YouTube later. It's, you know, it's, like, one of the best songs, but – for me, there are certain moments when you know. For example, we were playing the Saints in 2017. And Trey, this is a year before you came to Chicago. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. were struggling. We needed some help. That's why we came in. We, Trey, where are you? Help. Like 2018, Trey came and then went to the playoffs. So that's there's that's Trey Burton for you. <laughs> but uh we were struggling and we were playing the Saints. So we were kind of hitting this winning streak where we knew, man, if we win, maybe we can stack some games together and make a playoff push. And it was probably the third or so quarter. We were down by eight. And anybody who knows football, you know, like there's kind of that time when the momentum can kind of shift. You're in striking distance. The Saints had the ball. We weren't really moving the ball on offense. Our defense was going to have to be what won us the game. And we kind of knew, at least I knew, if they go and score right now with Drew Brees at quarterback and Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and all these guys, like we, we're not going to have a chance. And I'm sitting on the sideline, and I, I, mean, I wasn't playing. I wasn't playing every snap. There's kind of like rotation kind of thing, or on certain plays, I'm sitting on the sideline, late third quarter, about to go to the fourth. I'm like, man, somebody's got to make a play. And I'm, I'm actually audibly saying, like, we got to make a play. This is the time. Come on, come on. And I'm kind of saying it, and then in my mind, I'm like, man, somebody's got to make a play. The game's gonna change. And then something popped in my mind, like, why don't you go make the play? And I was like, no, but somebody's got. Why don't you go make the play? And so they just got a first down. And the rotation change or the some defense was in where I had where I was in there and I was in there covering Michael Thomas. Phenomenal wide receiver set the good catch. Luck. It, good, right, luck. good luck, right? It was like that. Like was it was it taken the movie taken? Good luck. Good luck with that. And and granted, it wasn't man to man. It was it was a zone defense, but my job on that play, and I love literally when Trey said this, my eyes lit up because it was like, dude, some people ha- you have your job. Like in that in the Philly special, your job wasn't to say, "Man, this could be an amazing yeah. Super Bowl winning." It's winning play. It, your job was just to throw throw the pass, throw it on target mm-hmm. pass, and let's skip let's skip and Shannon talk about how great it was. Yeah. So so I go in. It's it's second and and three or something like that. And my job on the play was to reroute Michael Thomas number one. So get hands on him, like hit him to slow him down for whatever route he was going to run because he's way faster than me. And then buzz out or drop out to my zone coverage, which was like maybe like a 10-yard kind of sprint to the, we call it the flat, like to the sideline, to protect the sideline. And so I knew the route. I knew, not even the route, but I knew what they were going to try to do in certain ways. So I'm like, oh, empty formation or Michael Thomas lined up where he usually doesn't line up. I got to hit him. Because if I don't, he's going to be wide open and going to be first down. Who knows? And so I'm out in my stance michael thomas right one of the best and i buzz out and i just boom i just like i don't know what i did but i know that i got hands on him that's all i knew 
I got hands on him. And then immediately I buzz out to the flat and I'm looking and Drew Brees is like looking, looking, patting the ball, patting the ball, nowhere to throw to. And mind you, this is what I love. So I, and we got to talk about this too, whether like the LeBron, like do you pass the ball or do you make the play? So Drew Brees is running out and there's no one for him to throw to. I want to go get the sack because I know for me, sacks equal dollars. Like with Skip, yeah. like <laughs> you get ratings that equals one, like sacks equal dollars. And I'm like, do I go get the sack? Do I stay in my drop? Go get the sack, stay in my drop. I wait, I wait, I wait. Finally, I'm like, man, I'm going to go get this sack. And I just run up and then he slides, Drew Brees slides down. I think someone else had touched him before I got there. So it didn't really matter anyways. You know, third down, they don't make the play. I get off the sideline and, and it was like you, this feeling, this energy of like, dude, like hell of a play. And I'm like, what do you mean? Hell of a play. I go back and watch the replay. I had like knocking, knocked, knocking, right? There you go. There's education. I knocked Michael Thomas down on the ground. Michael Thomas was the number one receiver for that route. The play was going to him. He was on the ground. And then I buzzed out. There was somebody behind me. Drew Brees wanted to throw it to this guy behind me, but I was there. And so he patted the ball, patted the ball. Then our pass rush got there. We got the sack. And no, we didn't go and win the game, but the momentum shifted, hinged on that play. Our offense went back and, and, and either scored or stalled out. We stopped them again. We ended up losing. We, had, we could have won on a Hail Mary, but Trey Burton wasn't there to catch the ball. So, stop, we, you know, we, you know so, so we lost the game. But, but momentum changed, and I knew it not in the moment, but a little bit after the moment. And so that's the stuff when I think about, but then, but then going back to, I, I just think about like, man, like, do you feel that pressure or do we, and, 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 and sometimes you do like in college, we were playing, you know, our team was undefeated. We were playing Texas tech and we were playing. That was, if anybody remembers the crab tree catch, like the play where Texas versus Texas tech on, on Earl Thomas and, and I think Shockey Brown and Curtis Brown, like I knew that was a huge play. Before it was like, and I was a sophomore and I think I might've been on the field. Another guy got hurt and I wasn't very good. And I was trying to get to the quarterback and they were just like holding me up like a statue. <laughs> and I'm like, call the holding. And I think I was in on that play and I didn't get to the quarterback and they scored the touchdown. And I was like, I just cost us a national championship. So I, I just think that there are times when, you know, but there are also times where you don't even know till way after. I just wonder if we are appreciating like Trey said, the magnificence of the moment. Like you talked about, like, like Russell Westbrook set the all-time record for triple doubles. Yeah. And we're just like, do 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 walk in the park. I'd love to talk about this. Like, I think there's been three, Steve, you said it earlier, three no-hitters in baseball. Uh, from yeah. one from one, like something like, like, and it's like, oh, it happens. What are we why are we missing it? Like, that's what I really want. Why are we missing it? I think I think I mean just quickly my thought is like we're always looking for the next thing like for for some reason as Americans as people like we I feel like we don't really want to dwell necessarily on the past or what's currently happening happening we're always looking for better and what's next and who could possibly do this next you know and like this crazy thoughts and I will say really quick one more thing about LeBron I think part of what makes LeBron so great is that he has always had the spotlight on him from freshman year of high school. You know what I mean? Maybe even before that, AAU basketball. Like, bro, and he, how many guys have we heard, this is the next LeBron, this is the next this, this is the next that, and obviously didn't pan out. Bro, LeBron's done it, and he's done it from an early age and has handled everything that's been thrown at him from 
the far left to the far right. You know, it doesn't really matter. He's handled it the right way. Um, but I, I do think like we're always looking for that next person. Um, and I don't, I don't know when that happens. You know, I, I'm probably too young to really know that and have experienced, you know, that. But uh, I just know that who's next, you know, the, the ne- who's next mentality instead of, wow, this is amazing. We should really dwell on this and appreciate what's happening right now in front of our eyes. Okay, real quick, though, I got to ask this because I don't know if you saw Brady Gaga, Tom Brady's tweet um, to LeBron because LeBron had a picture of him like dunking, you know, as he's coming back from injury. And uh, Brady just hit him up and said, hey, uh, come join Gronk and me. Uh, you know, and I loved it. I loved it. Cause he just is looking at just this specimen that, that is LeBron. I mean, just in perfect shape. Um, how good of a tight end could he be? You, you being Probably a tight great. end. Probably great. I mean, now the tight end nowadays. Yeah. He'd be phenomenal. He was a great wide receiver in high school. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, I just, I sit there and you, you just see what that guy, like just the strength. I mean, all of that, you just wonder, gosh, like, how good, like, could, could, is he the kind of athlete that could cross over and go, yeah, I think, I think he could get it run or there's no, like, no, no, there's no way. There's no way. No, I, I think he definitely can. Do, I think we talked about this the last podcast, maybe the one before that, like just genetically, you know, like what he's been gifted with and his hand, eye, you know, his natural given, I know I'm sure he works at, you know, his strength and his speed and those, but bro, like he's our, High school, look at him. He was head and yeah. shoulders above everybody else, you know, from a from a gifted standpoint. So he he's just gifted, you know. Like he's one of those guys. Like like I think of like uh, Antonio Gates, you know. Like that's the first thought that comes to my mind. Like a basketball player, shoot Tony Gonzalez, basketball yeah. player, you know, that turned into a football player. But like you have to have some naturally God given ability to be able to do those types of things. You can't just be like, oh, you know, I would just all of a sudden want to do this. Like it's the chances of that happening are very slim. In my in my opinion, I could be completely wrong. But my thought is like. Yeah, he's naturally gifted enough that he could do whatever sport he probably would want to do. Yeah. Hey, I, I think going back, though, to your, your original question, there is something about perception. So I think I think that people who love Russ, like, go, oh, we love Russ. There's a perception about Russ. There's a perception about Tiger. Tiger, I mean, every golfer loved Tiger because Tiger made them more money. Yeah. There was a perception about Sundays when Tiger was in contention, it was must watch TV. There was just this perception of greatness. Um, there's this perception with Steph, like just this joy that he has. Like he's j- there, there's just excitement. Like you don't know what he's going to do and how far he's going to shoot it from that you tune in, in for. It, it's, it's interesting that some of the greats that we see, I, I, for some apparent reason, there's a perception. There's a perception with KD right now. Like I think KD is one of the most amazing offensive talents that we will ever see. What that guy can do, it's so fun to watch. But there's a perception when he was when he could have beaten the Warriors, he left OKC and joined the Warriors. And people give him you know crap about that. I, I don't, but like people do. So it changes the perception. I think it's fascinating. Like some people just have this perception and they've been able to um, have mass appeal. And for some apparent reason, some people haven't been able to do that. I think that is a picture of the greatness. LeBron has been able to, I mean, the fact that he has not train wrecked his life, 
that there hasn't been some scandal or self-sabotage with all of the power, with all of the money, with all of, I mean, from all like observations of what he's spoken up about in regards to justice, the way he is with his kids and his family, he just seems like he's, he loves his life and, and, and he enjoys it. So it's just like, there's so much there that I go, gosh, like he, he has been able to have that. Um, yeah. But how, like how, and I think Steve, we've had this conversation like a year ago or so of trying to figure this out, but like, how can you have it all and still be sane? And I'm not saying that he has it all. Cause he, I mean, nobody, nobody has it all, but I mean, Trey, we've been in locker rooms. We've been, we've gotten contracts. We've been around guys who have gotten the multi-million dollar contracts. Steve, you've been in circles with people with a ton of influence and more power than you could ever imagine in certain worlds. How do you have all of that and still keep your integrity? How do you have all of that and and still stay sane? Like, look at Bill Gates. Somebody's like, well, I guess money just doesn't, you know, he, him and his wife just got divorced. He was, you know, he got, I don't know, uh, there's some allegations out there, you know, of, of, of a lot of stuff. And it's like, well, I guess money ain't the answer. You know what I mean? Like, so how, how, how do you, how, how? Go ahead answer your own question, dude. Cause I mean, there's, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm literally thinking about it. Like, I got my contract in the NFL and all of a sudden I started my, I start gloating. My head starts getting big. You get a little bit of influence. You get a little bit of power. All of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm that dude. Yeah. I think it, for each person is different though. Each person, like, I know, like for me, I mean, I can't speak on LeBron. I can't speak on Bill Gates, you know, but I, what I can't speak on is like who I don't want to become and who I don't want to be like, and like my motivating factors for my life, you know? So like, I know, I know who I don't want to be like, I know. What do you what mean by I've, that? Like, like growing up, like, I know I don't want to be like my dad. Like I never had a dad. He was never there for me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I was always going to be there for my wife and my kids, no matter what happened no matter what the scenario was, no matter how much money we had or we didn't have, you know, like none of that mattered. I made a decision early on, like, boom, I, I'm going to be the opposite of my dad from, you know, that fatherly husband standpoint. Um, but then also like you see all the other people who are, who have blown their money. And you, I mean, I think exp, uh, watching those people and learning from them and like seeing what's happening front and center on national television, like sports center or, you know, social media, like, I don't want to be that, you know, I don't want to lose all my money. So how can I do the opposite and figure out ways to invest, you know, smartly and safely and what are some learn about business deals and learn about real estate or learn about the stock market or learn about, you know, this or that, or other ways of supplementary, supplementary, uh, supplementary income. Um, and so like, from my standpoint that I don't, I, I, I guess I feed off of like what I don't want to be instead of, you know, what I possibly could be, I guess that's the opposite way to look at it. But I, I look at like other people's stories and be like, dude, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be like that guy. You know, I don't want to be like Bill Gates and own a company and, you know, allegedly be messing around with other people or, you know, whatever that looks like. That's just, that's not what I want to do or want to be. And so that's kind of how I, you know, do it. Hey, did you, Trey, did you have a moment and, you know, I've never asked you this. So if this is too personal, um, 
but like you, you mentioned you you know when you were young you were like i knew i didn't i i knew like i didn't want to be like this yeah like was there like a moment in your childhood where you were like someday if i have kids i'm 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 good like do, do you have like like a a moment where that like hits you that you go back to where you like almost made that vow or made that decision or is it just some kind of hey over the course of my childhood it was like yeah like that this is it just was kind of a a resounding hum in the background of what i what i want i i wished for and it wasn't there yeah i think i realized that once um i was old enough to i don't know like the exact age you know but from like my upbringing household standpoint like i was kind of the man in the house i was the oldest son um there's three boys me and two younger two younger brothers um and my mom and so i was always like the one that everybody looked to to like make something happen you know like if something went wrong like figure it out and like i just knowing what and like i said i don't remember the age just knowing uh how tough it was not just for my mom because obviously we all i mean that, that you don't have to really explain how hard it is for a single mother but everybody else around her from a family standpoint, you know, and like now knowing now how much people had to give and help out for her, like from a family standpoint, uncles and nephews and cousins and like, bro, if without them, I mean, shoot her parents, her parents basically gave up their retirement life and to help me and my two younger brothers survive and live, you know? And so just knowing the, the scale of it, and it's not, you're not just affecting the mother and you're not just affecting the children. Like there's a deeper root system around all of that, you know? Um, and so once I think, you know, maybe once I got to middle school, maybe, maybe early, maybe a little later in high school, I started realizing that. Um, and, I, and I'll never forget, like one of the things I'll absolutely never forget. My grandmother gave me a book when I was probably a freshman in eighth grade, freshman year in high school that uh, the only thing I remember of the book and one of the only books I've ever read from cover to cover, to, uh, to be honest, uh, it said in the book, it was about single uh, parent children and the statistics of the people in jail that come from a single, a single family home, the people that are on drugs or addicted to alcohol or whatever. Um, and at the very end of all the statistics, which are absolutely mind blowing, it said, don't just be another statistic. And I'll never forget that the rest of my life. Like I knew from that point on, like, I'm not just going to be another statistic. So again, what not to do, you learn from what you see, what's happening that you don't want to have happen. And how can I do the opposite and make it happen for good, you know, to a degree. And so I think that's kind of when I realized that like, listen, this is what I want to do. And this is, and I always knew I wanted to have kids. You know, I should, I had my first kid a couple, a couple of days after I turned 21. Um, and I got three, you know, total now, uh, and I, and I love them to death, but yeah, I always knew I wanted to have kids. Um, and uh, I don't know, I just, that's kind of what my mindset was. Dude, it's, it's inspiring. Cause you're not that, that's that statistic. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, it's like, it. just, just what you, what you're doing. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. And I, I, I do think though, that you, you, you said something that I think is really, really important. That is an answer. I think Sam, uh, one answer to the question, because I think oftentimes uh, I've heard one uh, mentor say, you know, holy discontent you got to find the holy discontent something that you see in the world you go that's not okay that's not right and i'm gonna change it and i think that's that sometimes we look at the world and go i don't want that i don't want to be that guy i don't want to be that dude like there's got to be a better way and i think you know uh trey you, you've done that and then i think some people like who've come from great examples and they go gosh i want to continue to take that that thing further um 
but I don't, dude, I don't know. I, I, I think that there's, I think that there is a lot of under the surface issues that if we do not give it attention, it, the truth will always come out. So, so I think it's like, I think what's hard for me though, is watching how guys, especially in leadership or in sports or in politics are having to manage so much that sometimes the interior life um, actually just doesn't, it, it's too slow. You can't microwave spiritual formation. You can't microwave like actual working through trauma and pain. But like I go out and I get a sack. I, I get cheers from the, the fans, you know, like you have an amazing service at church and people are like, that was awesome. You know, like see people's lives change and baptism happen like way more fun to do that than spend an hour in a counselor's office talking about my biological father, you know, and not really knowing him and the reasons why. So like, so it's, I think sometimes we run towards fanfare or what feels good rather than actually what will actually help us do the most good for the longest amount of time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was having a conversation with my dad this years ago, years and years ago, well, maybe not years, three, four, five years ago. And it was just almost this conversation revolving around we're all one decision away from being that guy. Trey for being the example you didn't want to see in your dad or even we talk about these people who cheat on their wives or who whether in church worlds just like in a lot of ways lead people astray we're all one decision away I I was talking talking to him years ago and he was like do you know how many times I could have done what you see Pastor X or Pastor Y do. Do you know how many times I could have stepped out on your mom? Do you know how many times I could have stolen money from the church or whatever? And he said, I didn't because too much was on the line. And that was really an example to me because I was kind of teetering a little bit because you get the fame and the accolades. It's like, man, I could kind of, I'm good. I could, I'll be fine. And I saw myself kind of on that fence. Like the way I, I think we're all one step away. So it's really hard for me to see somebody like, you know, we were talking about Bill Gates right now and, and whatever, but it's really hard for me to see somebody like that and be like, oh, get him out of there. Cause I'm like, dude, I'm one step away. And a lot of us with the stuff people don't know, it's like, we could have been in jail for that, for what somebody doesn't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I just remember like there was somebody who, and my dad's a, a psychologist. He's a marriage counselor. He has a PhD in, in, you know, he's a counselor. He sees people, therapist. And I remember, I think in high school, somebody, one of my basketball teammates, a year or two older had committed suicide. It was the first time I'd ever been around suicide. And I remember just everyone was sad and confused and devastated and, you know, can't believe it. And I remember kind of looking at my dad and he was like, what a selfish move. And I'm like, selfish? What do you mean selfish? This dude just took his life and we're all, you know, we're all hurting and everyone's hurting. He's like, that's so, it was selfish. From a psychology standpoint, 
think of, he's like, think of the people who he's hurting, the people who will never see him again. Think of the family members, the friends, his mom, his dad. I think he would have been not adopted, but staying with the, the family who he's staying with. He's like, if you just go down to the psychology level of it, suicide's really selfish. And that's still hard for me to hear because I'm like, because that, for whatever reason, that one hits closer to home just because I just see so many athletes who take their lives and all these things. But we're all one decision away from, I think that's why my heart kind of hurts so much around certain topics or certain things because I'm like, man, like somebody could be right on the fence. You don't know what's going through their mind. I remember when I hadn't taken care of my soul, if you had to go and I needed to go and see a counselor and literally sit with a therapist. 2018, maybe you knew, maybe you didn't. I saw Trey. I I see you every week because I was injured. And so I was doing, we did our Bible studies in the morning. Every, I was 2018. And then you had some stuff like you were really preemptively taking care of your body. So you were oftentimes in the training room in the morning, but then I was injured. So I'd go in the training room and Every Monday, every Monday during the season, I do my rehab for hour, two, three, whatever. And I'd immediately go straight to my counselor, my therapist. I don't know if I told you, Trey, did I tell you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We talked about it. Yeah. Because I knew I was one step away. And Steve, you know some of this stuff, right? So like, it was necessary. If I didn't have that, I feel like I would have been one of the statistics. And I'm still daily, like for me, you know, I, I still like, I emailed the dude the other day, like, hey, we need to chat. You know what I mean? Uh, and I think I talked talk to you, Steve, about some of this stuff. Like, we need people in our lives who we can share with. That's honestly why I love this podcast so much, if I'm being uh, real, real. Because the three of us, like, we have a relationship where, like, we keep each other accountable. But I remember that year, 2018, I was pissed, heated, frustrated, upset. We were going to play somebody, and we were at the team hotel. And I heard three different guys on our team who were like walk, trying to walk with Jesus, but we were all struggling with the same things and we were all isolated. And I'm like, and then we, and it's like, what? And, and it seemed like nobody was talking about it from our team chaplain to who it seemed like nobody was talking about it. I'm like, bro, the three of us were about to, we are all every, not even just one step away. And we're just going to sit here and, and die in isolation, figuratively speaking. And at least for me, there was a point in my mind where I'm like, oh, I'm staying close to Trey. I don't care. Well, I, I'm staying close to this dude because this dude is determined to, to, for lack of better terms, or I'll use a better terms. This dude's determined to follow Jesus somehow, some way, and still be himself. He's not, all right, let me pick up my Bible and read every day and every night. I'm not even going to go to football because it's, it's not a church. This dude's like, no, I'm going to live in the world, but like, I know who I don't want to be. And so I was like, I got to stay close to this guy. And then Steve, too, you were with us every Tuesday yeah. and Thursday, yeah. maybe. Yeah. We did Bible studies and you would come through to the facility and lead us. And and you could say lead, but you really allowed us to lead in a lot of ways. Every Tuesday, every Thursday. And oftentimes me and you would go to Chick-fil-A, my love language. Uh, we go to Chick-fil-A beforehand and get it, get some food. And I was like, I got to stay close to these guys. And even with this podcast coming full circle. So I'm so glad that Trey, you got you got a chance to, you 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 said yes because we asked. And I was like, please, and you're like, I, you know, you said, let me think about it because that's what I love about you. You're like, I'm not, you're not going to give a rash answer. You're going to think, and then it makes sense hearing what you said. 
He said, I don't want to be like this, but so I want to keep my word because I've been lied to. I don't want to tell you one thing and do a different thing. I want to keep my word. And when I talk about like things I respect about you the most, I'm like, that's what I want to learn from Trey. How do I be, how do I keep my word? How does my yes be my yes, my no be my no? You go out of your way to make your yes your yes and your no your no and to live with integrity. And not nobody's perfect. I'm not saying that. But that's how I'm like, man, if we could just stay together and not isolate, who knows? We may be going through the same things. I had a, there was a, a, like a week or two ago, I was like, not really doing so hot. And I think, Steve, you either texted me out of the blue or maybe I called you or something. You know, and it's like we need people in our lives like that. Maybe LeBron has guys like that. Maybe these people who we talk about who are doing well, maybe they've got people they can be real with. But I don't think enough of us do. You know, it's interesting is like you think about, you know, where where we start this conversation about greatness. And, you know, it's like normal, um, healthy um, people who finish the race well. It's it's t- it's like. uh it, it's like we, we don't celebrate that well enough you know what i mean like so like we miss like healthy people healthy like relationships healthy dudes leaning into each other like like healthy like we we just it's like eh, we're we're we love the hot takes whether they're like people that we can't stand or people we love the people who blow up and train wreck i mean we love the tmz life um, but we miss the consistent greatness that just keeps showing up game after game, practice after practice. We're talking practice, you know, like we, we miss, we miss that, you know what I mean? And so, so part of it is like, it's, it's, that's the, that's a conundrum with greatness. Cause what I think like the three of us, when we chop it up and we talk openly and honestly, there's something great about that, that leads to greatness. But then there's also, I think moments where, uh, that should just be normal, but it's not because we're you, like you said, Sam, you can be so isolated and have three dudes who are struggling with the same thing, but they don't know how to do this. So I, th- I think there's something in the greatness conversation that uh, w- we miss it when it's normal. Uh, we miss it when it's like expected. We miss it when it's just often right in front of us um, because we're the, the, the scandal of this story or the 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 something behind this this door is like so intriguing um that we just miss and i'm like i just want to stay out of the news i want to stay out stay off of like anything that i just want to stay consistent and finish the race and those are those are the athletes i respect the most those are the leaders i respect the most those are the pastors the the wives the husbands that just have like yeah, I show up, I do what I'm supposed to do. I am who I'm supposed to be. And I'm in Christ for the world. I live deeply connected to Christ for the sake of the world. But see, that's, that's my argument. Well, first of all, Sam, can we have you do intros on every podcast about yeah. <laughs> our hype man. and I, please? That'd be phenomenal. That'd be really, really cool. I would, I, it would actually make me feel really good. And it would be a great start to my week if we could do that. Uh, <laughs> second of all, back that that's that's what makes me think like we're always looking for my my comment about we're always looking for the next this we're always looking for the next that like bro there's million dollar companies tmz for example that what's the next scandal you know what what's the next who who is doing what like how do we do that what there's you know social media sites that 
outside of TMZ, you know, smaller ones that literally that's all they do are looking for. And it might not even be a, a, a deal or a big deal, but they're going to start something. You know what I'm saying? And if it comes to fruition, then boom, they're they're making money. If not, then it all oh, it's just them saying whatever again, you know. So that's kind of my argument of like, dude, that's why like we're always looking. That's why we can't appreciate what we have now, because to a degree, sometimes it's boring. You know, kind of what you're saying, Steve, like, bro, that's not the most exciting thing. The most exciting thing, like you mentioned, is what's the next, you know, how big of a scandal, how big of this, you know, all that type, all that type of stuff. Yeah. What? You know, it's interesting. One thing that really keeps me grounded, and this is not the flashy thing, but I think it it's a good transition, is there will be times, and Trey, you taught me this. You taught me this. Like, you'll find a song that, for whatever reason, maybe it's been speaking to your heart, or you're like, man, this song is fire, or whatever, and you'll just send it to me. And not every time, but many times, that song will be exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. One of the things that helps me out a ton is, is music when I'm kind of, whether it's frustrated or like, I feel like I'm kind of like, I don't know what's going on. It's music. And, and we have a cool little, you and I, Trey, have a cool little text there. If we go back the last couple of years of songs, bangers, I will pop up bangers, bangers. <laughs> bangers. You're playing one before we started the podcast of banger. Uh, Andy Minio remix of coming in hot with the techno thing. You said yeah. you love working out to that. There's some bangers that are out. I'd love to hear, like, you know, I'm gonna go first because there are some that are that I just love. And then, I, but I'd love to hear from you all if there's any music or different things that you listen to in different seasons. For me, this season it's been it's been Maverick City music, and they have a with and they they did a, like a partnership, a collab with with Elevation Worship, and the album is called old church basement and when i say every single song on that thing is when i say i've listened to i mean there have been songs i think i started listening three days ago over 100 times maybe four days ago over 100 times i'm not even the whole thing just some songs like some songs by 80 other songs oh, over 100 like there's like there's a song called wait on you that pretty much talks of it says like those who wait on the lord will renew their strength it's, it's like pretty much saying scripture but it's like talking about that that song's a banger there's another song on that album uh, uh obviously trey talked about the old, old church basement like the 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 first song on the album is a banger the, the last song on the album is a banger and it's some bangers bangers and you you y'all probably laugh but like trey will send me some of these songs like years ago i'm like oh nice like this is i love this song who is it you know and then i realized oh that's a, this is you know stephanie gretzinger or this is amanda cook she's you know this is you know what and so anyways those are mine but what are y'all trey what you got what you got trey oh man well i mean music is literally like the key to my soul like that's the number one thing that is like gets me on track gets keeps me on track gets me going um and like sam said i am a big techno guy i mean i listen to it every time i train uh and the reason i'm a big techno guy is because i train a lot so you have to you know you have to listen to what you like to listen to when you train in order for yeah so i'm a big techno guy but i, but I think i would like to pride you know myself i'm well versed you know i am a big reggae guy as well like i love like bob marley bro like the goat you want to talk about the goat like bob marley you know uh damian marley i mean all the marley's bro they're phenomenal even you know some some of the other like new age uh reggae people just re they do a great job with it um but i will say i would say 75 percent of the stuff i listen to is 
Christian, uh, Elevation, Hillsong, um, Bethel, uh, Maverick City. There, it's just it's just so pure, you know. And I think what I do that's a little weird compared to what everybody else does is I don't want to listen to the song. I want to watch the video, the live worship video. So I'll go on YouTube. And I mean, you said 33 million on uh, Naomi's song. I mean, I'm um, probably like, yeah, on promises. Yeah, promises. I'm probably like 300,000 of those. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, no lie. Like, and my wife, she doesn't hate it, but she, I play it so loud in the house. She, like, she gets on me all the time. Like, can you please just, instead of 98% volume, can you like do 65% volume? Like, please, I beg you. But, uh, I think what's been, what's been really cool, like I said, music is like one of the keys to my soul, but like seeing music be the key to my kid's soul as well, like has been like super, really, really cool for me. And I, I don't know, like really the words to say, like how important that is or how awesome I think that is. But like, for example, my oldest, bro, she can sing. She can go. She's not like no Stephanie Gressinger or, you know, Taya or none of like She's not like that. But, bro, she can sing now and she's super talented and she can play the piano and she can sing. And so, like, just like me loving music, I'm just feeding her like, let's go. You know, let's do this. Like instead of like playing sports, which I she does as well. And I love watching her play sports like I get a lot more joy out of listening to her sing and play the piano. Um, she likes this. And I think her name's uh, Taryn Turin. Um, she toured with uh, Torn Wells uh, this on this last tour. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, Turin, Taryn, I can't think of. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. But she has uh, this one song, bro, that my daughter just goes with and uh, learn how to play it on the piano and sing at the same time. But it's just it's just really special to me. Um, I've had some awesome moments with music, um, and I think it's it's not just here in America, but I think it's you know globally everybody can connect from a musical standpoint and i think it's you know, that's why i think it's so important steve favorite song right now well i i mean you guys dropped promises um so a couple of my friends uh were were the guys who wrote that um carrington Gaines, who is by far the biggest buffalo bills fan i've ever met he is really crazy um, i don't think i've ever heard that before uh, biggest buffalo bills fan i know no, hold, on, hold on hold on i got a cool major timeout because I, I i'm with you trey i played in buffalo for a, a couple weeks first of all people in buffalo are diehard fans like they're they're like bears fans and yeah. i didn't believe that even my friend played in buffalo he was like oh yeah bills fans bills mafia i'm like i never heard of bills mafia then i went to buffalo i yeah. believe in bills mafia i just had to interject that you know, what I mean, I'd interject. So only exactly. that small little city of New York is like I've never. I what I'm saying is I've, I know how important Bills Mafia is to the NFL. But my thing is I've never heard anybody saying, "Oh, this is the biggest Buffalo Bills fan." Like oh, I, dude, I this, don't hear that. Yeah, but I think I think it's it's partly because I'm a West Coast kid. I didn't. I who I never I never ran into them. You know what That's I mean? What so I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know very many of them. So I'm like, this is, has to be the biggest one I know. You know. Um, but this that guy. Carrington Gaines, and he's he's leading this whole thing. It's like a, it, 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 like he's he's been a part of the Mav City fan, but like this four city worship movement. And he and Joel, um, Lawrence Scott, I mean James Paik. I mean this. There's this crew right now. They have just been riffing and writing. Um, they got this this guy on keys named Cornbread, and I just I just I'm just listening to the stuff that they're getting ready to put out, and I'm like unbelievable it's just it's it, it it's exactly with what you're saying trey it just like speaks to your soul there's few things that can bring the rpms down 
in my yeah. life and just center me. Um, and so uh, that that's been something. And, and I also love that you said about kids, the, the biggest connection point I feel like for my dad and me was, was Michigan football. And then secondly was records. And I have his record collection. And I think now just getting to pass that down to my kids yeah. and to see their love for music, um, but then just helping them understand the power of great lyrics, uh, helping them understand, oh, I really like that beat. Oh, yeah, but do you, what, what are they saying? Or, hey, I really like what they're saying. Um, I, wish it, I wish I had more like, okay, what's that style? And just having the conversation, I, it's, it's been unbelievable. Uh, my son has been like enamored with instruments and like, uh, music videos and he can like he can do this drone and he 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 goes to this art school in phoenix and he had to make a dance video and like he like flew this drone over our house and it's watching him do all these dance moves and then had another <laughs> camera set up to this techno beat and i was like what in the i mean they're just so talented they have so much technology right now but it was just cool to see his expression and connection to a song and then to share that with his class and it got brought to the coffee shop so um but yeah music we'd love to hear for you what's the song what, what's the jam uh what are you listening to let us know we're gonna have it on our, our social on instagram on twitter let us know because uh, because we, we we need some new we need some new songs um but hey sam trey thanks so much next time trey i think we need to start the show with a little hype man of sam macho and uh we'll we'll just we'll just butter him up a little bit but hope you guys have a great great week thanks so much for for tuning in we'll see you next thursday grace and peace